Welcome everybody to the Kim Barrett Show. I'm your host, Kim Barrett. And on today's episode, we have the amazing Miss Naira Perez. Now, Naira is someone who's come from a crazy background working with some tremendously huge companies, identifying the right strategy, omni-channel strategies that's going to help people to get the most out of what they're doing. Now she's focusing on help helping SMEs and a range of different people to be able to do that as well. So in this, we dive into a couple of different strategies that you can look at to really identify how to get the most out of your brand so and your business. And if you want to figure out exactly how you can kind of model some of the strategies that the big guys use uh, as a small player, uh, like myself, I was all ears. So if that's something that you want to figure out for your business, let's make sure that you jump in and you check this episode out and share with someone else who needs that as well. Now, of course, if you ever need any help with your marketing or advertising, you can hit us up and you can jump over to www.mogulcall, that's M-O-G-U-L, call.com. But without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Miss Naira Perez. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, my pleasure. Now, I always like to start the podcast off with one question the same every time, which is if I walk up to you at a party and we start talking to each other and say, Naira, what do you actually do? What's your answer? That's a good question. I actually work with paid media in, in digital, digital paid media. We, what, what I do is I put very easy terms. I put ads on your Facebook feed and yes, you probably are hating me right now. I always actually say that. It's not the first time I've been asked that question. It's the easiest way to explain to people like those ads, I put them there. You go to Google, those ads, I put them there. But yeah, any we actually do any digital paid media that, you can think of, we do native advertising, we do Google, Bing, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So, Awesome. I want to dive into a couple of those channels and ask a couple of questions. But first of all, I'd love to know, so because we do some, we, we only do Instagram and Facebook. We don't do anything else. We just kind of like stick to that. We don't, uh, that's, everything else is too complicated for me. I'm a simple person. I can keep it easy. So what I would like to know is at the moment, so when we're recording this, we're kind of in the midst of the global crisis going on with everything that's happening with coronavirus and all that sort of stuff. What are you guys seeing from an ad cost perspective? Because I know for us, it looks at the moment like the CPMs. And when I say CPM for anyone listening, that's like the cost to get in front of really a thousand eyeballs, if you want to put it simply. What, what are you guys noticing on your side of the world with ads, ad costs and stuff like that? Are they going down, staying the same? What's it look like over there for you guys? We're seeing CPMs actually decrease simply because we had a lot a lot of political advertisers in the space running to elections primaries so they have decreased significantly and there is a lot of brands that have also gotten out of the market because they don't want they may not be able to fulfill their orders so they don't want to advertise and generate sales that they cannot meet and two there are brands that have decided that they don't want to be tone deaf to what's happening right now. And so they have to reshuffle their strategy and their messaging. So that exit has generated a lot more of inventory for us. And also you have more people 
in digital right now. There are more people on Facebook, more people working from home. And that means that their attention can go to those channels where we were just talking about Facebook, Instagram, even LinkedIn and search engines. So that's why we're seeing costs going down. Doesn't mean that results are just because the cost went down, resorts are fantastic because on the other side of the coin is the fact that people are very distracted. As an example, LinkedIn, people are working from home. So even if they're in LinkedIn looking for information or even looking for a job, their attention is not in their news feed per se, 100%. They have kids mm-hmm. around, they have maybe the partner is also working with them in the same space. So... We have seen lower costs, but also the attention of people is somewhere else. Yeah, I would have to say 100% agree on like the statistics that we're seeing is like, we'll see, you know, CPM sometimes drop by three, four times. But then it's like, when you look at the cost, sometimes the cost per result is almost still the same, even though the CPM drops, because obviously, as you say, people's attention, they might be there, but maybe they're just going there to get the news updates or whatever it might be. Because I know in Australia, for example, the, our prime minister is always going, He, if you want to hit what's happening, he goes live. So when he makes an announcement, he goes live. So everyone goes to Facebook to try and watch and see what, what he's going to say. If you don't have most people, you know, I don't even have a connection to watch normal TV. I only have Netflix. I don't actually, I couldn't even turn the TV on if I wanted to, because that's the only thing I can, I can play. Yeah, I think more people going there just for the, those things and maybe to even connect with their friends and family because they can't see them as well. So it's, as you say, they're very distracted. But I do want to ask about, you mentioned LinkedIn and, and LinkedIn ads, because it's been one that I've always been curious about. And obviously, compared to most, this has been my experience, it seems to be real expensive. Like the cost per click and all that sort of stuff is right up there. How do you find it for your clients? And how do you actually, can you make it work? And is it very like, do you have to have a very specific niche to do it? Or what's been in your experience? Tell me a little bit, because I'm, I'm personally curious, because I've never been able to make it work 100% for me. Yeah, no, you're completely right. Where you can get CPCs in Facebook that are maybe $1, let's say, that same product, that same messaging in LinkedIn probably will cost you $10 per click. So it can be up to 10 times more. So what I always recommend to go into LinkedIn is you need a plan. You need a plan because this is going to be an expensive endeavor. So let's make sure that one, your target audience is actually very researched because LinkedIn's target audience is really, really good. The profiles are true. Majority of them are true to, to the person that put them up, meaning Facebook has a lot of fake profiles, has a lot of fake information that you just tell your friends, oh, don't worry about it. I misspell my name. So blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, I say I'm a female when I'm a male. There's a lot of that in Facebook, but LinkedIn, whenever somebody has history there, somebody says they have worked somewhere, most of the time it is true. So also LinkedIn, you can, you can target so well. You can go Mm -hmm. by job title. You can go by many things, by followers of a group, by so many experience, years of experience, skills. So the audience is really valuable. So it's more difficult to reach them. That's why it's more expensive. But once you reach them, once they respond to your ad and you get them into a funnel, you nurture them, then actually the cost per sale or the return on adding then are actually, they, they make sense. Mm. 
So it was a little, little bit longer buying cycle and needed you know, a little bit more nurturing. Yeah. It normally is because there are products normally for, it's a B2B, right? They're businesses mm. on the other side. So the products are tend to be also more expensive. We do a lot of software as a service. So those life cycles could be, could be anywhere from six months to two years. I've had clients that actually realized that LinkedIn was working two years later and then they, they stopped. And so now they know that in two years, they're going to have a lack of leads. So it is very interesting, but it, it requires a lot of involvement from the brand and the client in analyzing that after ad activity and after ad strategy. And what sort of ads do you use? Because obviously LinkedIn started rolling out similar things to Facebook where they've got like their lead forms. So for people who want that, want just want to capture leads and things like that. And you've got sponsored in-mails and all this sort of different sort of stuff. Is there one kind of category of ad which you like actually, and I, I know it might vary from client to client, but if, if I was starting out and so let's say I was using my product B2B, I want to sell advertising services. Which of those categories would you go you know, is, is a good place to start to test your ads to make sure that you've got the right targeting, all that sort of stuff. Where would you start when it comes to LinkedIn ads? So in LinkedIn ads, the ad format that I would start with, newsfeed ads, the ones that just go in your newsfeed, those are probably the best balance between a cost and results. So on one hand, in, whenever you're just looking at cost, they're right-hand rail ads, the tech, they used to be called text ads, mm. and now they do have a picture. Those ads are going to get you the most impressions, and they're the cheapest per impression, the CPMs, but their response rate is not as high as newsfeed ads. Newsfeed mm. ads are more expensive, but the quality of the lead normally is better because you have more time, more real estate to explain your product or to explain your service. So I really like newsfeed ads. Within the newsfeed ads, then you have the whole range of from picture, video, and lead gen, and you can get all, sof- all sorts of sophisticated strategies there. I like lead generation ads because they are they're only on mobile, but also you can get a lot of information that otherwise you wouldn't be able to get. As an example, whenever you drive people to a landing page, you control the environment and it's fantastic. And you're going to get one kind of lead. Also, you are more prone to get information that is not accurate. So every client that I have worked with that have landing pages and that drives people to landing pages, they get at least 10 Elvis Presley's <laughs> you know, leads. So, or, you know, Mickey Mouse. Because that's a free-flowing. However, in lead gens, a lot of that information is pre-populated by LinkedIn according to the profile of the person. So you know that that information is actually accurate. Now, landing pages can be more cost-effective in the sense of you will get more people there and you can control the environment better. Lead generation, I really like it because it's that people do not leave the platform to fill in the information so you don't lose people because they have to go someplace else. So they stay within LinkedIn and it's pre-populated so they don't have to do much. So there is balances, but definitely going back to your original question, if I were going to start, I would start with, if it cost is my worry, then do 
right-hand ads. If it's not, then news feeds are a very good option. Awesome. I love that. I'm going to test some of those out today. So that's going to be good. You should. You should. And now I'd love to know, how did you get into digital media buying and digital marketing? Because I know for like for a lot of people, I was I did an um, interview with the university I used to go to here in Australia and they were like, you know, how did you find university, all these things? And I was like, to be honest, the business that I have now did not exist when I went and did my professional studies, right? And I had to learn everything myself. So like, how did you get into media buying? Because I think it's like, it's not exactly something that is, has been around for a long time. And you're like, oh yes, when, I'm, when I grow up, I want to be, I want to buy Facebook ads, you know, like how, how did you uh, get into it and come across the field? Yeah, that's an excellent question. So actually, I started in advertising through direct-to-consumer, which is a fancy term for infomercials, so on TV. And then, you know, the, the agency I was working with was really big. And so we went, we had TV, we had magazines, we had radio, anything that had toll-free number where you could call an order, we, we did it. So that's where I started. And I love the data. I'm actually talking back to university. I'm a logistics major. So I love data. I love like strategies based on data. And so when the Facebook started to be big and having ads and they were working and just advertising and seeing the results so fast and being able to react so fast. That's how I got into it, really. I did the transition from TV advertising to digital advertising in general and then specifically in paid media. And I've worked with many companies along the years and then I decided that I wanted to do it on my own. So I founded Spring Hill Digital and then we specialized only in paid media. Awesome. I love that. And what made you, do, and obviously, because I know when you get into the field of media buying and also, but even especially when you come across social media, it is very easy to get distracted. And I know on uh, some of the uh, communication we had back and forth, it's like, don't do organic. Don't talk to me about organic. I do paid stuff. And I normally say the same thing because it's like, it's a completely different minefield. But did you go straight in, obviously, from your history in infomercials and things like that? Were you just like, cool, I only want to touch the paid side? Did you dabble and try and explore anything on the organic side and things like that? Or like, how did you find that when you first started? I actually started with organic, believe it or not. I needed to understand the, the platform better before starting to sell on it, advertising. So I started with organic, just kind of understanding the audience because everything that we do, even in paid media, it always goes back to the audience and that who are we talking to? So if I don't know how to talk to them in organic, then probably my paid media strategy is going to be way off. And as a matter of fact, even though I, I say, you know, I don't do organic, I constantly look at organic to see how people are reacting to the brand, what are their comments, what are their worries, and how the brand is interacting with them, what is their tone of voice, just so that paid media doesn't feel off. Because otherwise you have in one side your organic and then over there in some other remote planet, your paid media, and it confuses the audience. The audience wants to see one message, no matter where they look, no matter what channel, no matter what platform, and sometimes they don't even care if it's a sponsored post or an organic post. They really want to receive the same information. 
Yeah, uh, so true. So 100% spot on. And um, just purely out of curiosity, I'd love to ask, what's been one of the coolest campaigns you work on? Because I know that a lot of time as media buyers and someone who runs traffic, like there's a lot of just day-to-day stuff. And you're like, yeah, cool. It's it's day in, day out. You adjust it based on the data. Has there been any campaign, it doesn't have to be like a big campaign, but any campaign that you've done or you've worked on, you were like, that was actually like really fun and like it actually was really interesting for you? Yes, I have many. I actually really enjoyed working last year in kind of a startup. It, it was a company that sells plus size clothing. And it was, it's in Europe, it's in France. And just taking that, that startup from a small company with very few followers to actually huge followers through paid media in combination with their organic, but we saw the change in attitude from the beginning to the end of the campaign where at the very beginning, like all the comments were more about the pricing and just not so positive to at the end, the community that we had generated by analyzing their audience and kind of respecting that relationship with organic, they were coming and defending the brand when somebody got negative comments in their ads so that was really rewarding we had built a community that now the brand can talk to and that will be ambassadors for the brand so in that sense it was not a campaign it was more of like the entire year the strategy was not a little one Uh, we're now working with an ice cream company and who doesn't love ice cream those ones where you get certain products like we just got a client i haven't had anything to do with the campaign so i've just been watching it from the outskirts but we do a lot of uh, things using messenger bots so we do a lot of like competitions and things like that where we can generate a big influx of client of like inquiry so for example we launched a client a couple days ago they've had like a thousand people come into their messenger bot and but the product is tequila and mezcal so i was like it's it's just a cool I just like it and I was like I want to win the prize like I want to win you know whatever it was like three bottles of tequila and and mezcal I was like that would be amazing even though it's it's a smaller project for us it's the the fun little ones or the things where you see the biggest impact I think always help because a lot of times people go oh don't you get excited by your own like your own business growth and I think it is cool like when you you know you win awards or you you know you make certain levels of income whatever it might be but for me Still, because that's how I started, was just like in the my spare bedroom, just doing little ads for myself and friends and other companies. Is when when you see a company come to you and then you actually have it, as you say, like you have a tangible impact on them. It's like it's super cool when you see them go from having nothing to then you know like leads coming in, sales coming in. Like we help. There's a lady who couldn't she couldn't afford to work with us because of what's happened with the coronavirus, but she mm-hmm. needed help because she lost like eighty percent of her income coming up because she was in the event space and all events are cancelled yeah. for. Who knows how long? We don't know how long. So she's like, I want to sell this one product I have. So we set up ads for her. We didn't charge her anything. I was like, I'll, I'll do it on a Saturday afternoon. No problem. Set it up for her. And then in the first week, she's got like a 10 times return on her ad spend. And every day I just love refreshing her account. I don't really look at many accounts because the team do it, but I'm just like, refresh. I'm like, oh yes, she got another sale. You know, it's just like, it, it, it's exciting. It's a small, small scale project to work on. But those little things where you get to see the tangible difference in people's businesses and like what they're, because it's really, I think sometimes when people look at what we do and how we impact people, it's like, well, yes, we impact one side, but we actually affect their entire life, especially if they're a small, medium business where their business is their 
whole livelihood. It's not a big conglomerate company. Every ad that you buy, every lead that you get, if that becomes a sale for them, that changes their business in some way, shape or form. So I just really, it's good speaking to other people that do digital as well. So I always yeah. like having a bit of a chat about that. That's why we specialize in, in small to medium businesses because I love to see that. So mm. that makes my job actually really rewarding. And, you know, it takes you away from being a marketer and it's like, oh, you give people things that they don't need and just all this negativity <laughs> that there is around or, you know, people that are like, you're the one that put those ads in my feed to, hey, let's look at the other side. And people, I mean, I'm amazed about that, that story that you just told about that lady. I, I think that is fantastic. Yeah. And I, and I think it's, you've always got to have those little things that, you know, give you the little bit of positivity and it's like, you know, we have like some larger clients where they're like, oh, we just need, you know, hundreds of thousands of leads per month or whatever it is. But then it's always a little small and it's like, I've never run ads before. Can you help me do this? And it's like, with the click of a finger, you've managed to get like something that they didn't have before. So I think that's always cool. Yeah. Always brings me back to the the starting days of when we started things out. So my, my next question for you is, uh, is one that I've been asked on. I was asked on a podcast many years ago and I can't remember who asked it to me. I always try and give credit if I can, but I can't remember who, who asked it to me. But the question is, what's one question that I didn't ask you that I should have? Okay. You didn't ask me where my accent is from. <laughs> Well, I've got, I've got to assume somewhere in South America or something like that. Have, where, where is the accent from? Uh, it's actually from Spain. Oh, really? I have trouble picking because, so my partner is from Mexico. So mm-hmm. I kind of get the South American Spanish speaking accent when I, pick, when I pick it up. But like to know the differences and like, she'll be like, oh, this person's from Argentina. That person's from Spain. I actually can't tell. I'm not good enough yet to tell the difference in like in the, in the, in the words and the accents and stuff like that. She's like, no, no, no. That's, and I was like, oh, is that person, that person's Mexican, right? She's like, no, no, no. Completely different. I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> Don't so worry. Actually, I've been living in the United States for so long. My accent is not a pure accent anymore and i've lived in many parts of the united states so at the end your your accent just modifies according to where you live a little bit people can tell i'm not from here but i nobody knows where i am from so it's okay yeah. you're totally fine i wouldn't have guessed i wouldn't have guessed i should have started speaking spanish i mean like hola como estas just practicing yeah. like spanish you know we'll have to do Are another you? podcast in, in in my broken spanglish so where, but then I do need to ask because I do love Spain. Whereabouts in Spain are you from? Canary Islands. Oh, beautiful. Spain to USA is it's not exactly neighboring countries. What made you, what made you move across the world? Actually, a company recruited me right out of university and brought me to the United States to work oh, really? in their marketing department. Oh, wow. Awesome. So but you, you, you were studying logistics. Yes, I was studying logistics. Uh, so I was brought in for a very data-driven project. It was analyzing the pricing and the strategies and also kind of summarizing information for their sales people to communicate a very complicated product structure. So we simplified it. So in that sense, all of the skills that I had that made me love logistics applied to the marketing that we were doing. It was performance-based marketing even before that term existed. And then from there, just uh, loved marketing and, and went into advertising, and, you know, infomercials yeah. was the next step. <laughs> that was a, a little weird, but yes. <laughs> yeah. 
I love it. I love it. So it was great chatting with you. And I said, I really appreciate you making the time to, to jump on here with me today. If people have listened to this and they've said, look, this was amazing. I want to know more about what you do. Where's the best place for people to connect with you and find out more about what you're up to? So they can go to my website, springhilldigital.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn where we publish articles and, you know, sometimes we publish something that it's called Ask Naira. And so you can send questions to me at info at springhilldigital.com. And then I'll make an article just answering the questions and also on Facebook. Beautiful. Amazing. So we'll put all the links to the show notes. So guys, wherever you're listening or watching this, if you're watching it on Facebook or anything like that, click across, check out the show notes and we'll have all the links there. So you guys can find out more about what Naira is up to and uh, ask her some questions as well. Um, and if you like this episode, if you know anyone else that would benefit from listening to what we've spoken about today, or whether it's on LinkedIn ads, whether it's on looking at understanding social media, whatever it might be, make sure that you share this episode with them. And of course, give us a cheeky subscribe and a review if you feel like it as well. But Nara, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you uh, coming on with us. And thanks again. Thank you very much. Cheers.